Welcome to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. Before we dive in today, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because it really helps us out. It helps other educators find us and connect with all of the amazing guests that we have uh, and all of their insight and wisdom that they share on each episode. Today, I bring on Evan Sanchez. He's a fifth grade science teacher down in Texas, um, and I brought him on because he has such an incredible growth mindset. He is what I want to be, you know, 5, 10, 15 years into my career, you know, still being creative, still being motivated, wanting to learn more constantly, always shifting his practice. And he talks about uh, some of his hacks that have helped made his teacher life easier, um, ways that he stays creative and motivated, uh, as well as he makes his content accessible to his students. And we talk about so much more than that. But without further ado, please welcome Evan Sanchez. talking this is your first podcast how do you how do you feel i guess a little nervous but not too bad so <laughs> excited to be a part of this and i thank you so much for having me on i, I really do appreciate it this is well, awesome i'm really excited for people to hear from you because i've been following you for basically since i began my at essentials account i've been following you and just every single time that you're posting or you know you're talking about when you're on your stories just what's going on in your classroom i'm like dang his classroom is just the best it just Based on what he's saying, all the activities he's doing with his, his fifth graders is just so much fun. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and your journey to becoming a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, my name is Evan Sanchez, and uh, basically I'm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. I have been, this is my 11th year of teaching. Um, very early on, uh, especially in elementary, I had really great teachers. I mean, they set the foundation for everything. And honestly, that's what got me to want to go for teaching. I never thought I would, you know, you know, a lot of people think that's so early to think that you would want to do something like that. But I was, you know, very, very lucky to have some great educators out there. And I'm still, I still talk to them. It's kind of funny that I still, you know, talk with my elementary teachers. I still have one that he's still at the same school that I went to. And uh, probably getting near retirement, but I, I know he it a lot. So yeah, I started there and I was very involved with music as well. So especially in my intermediate junior high and high school years, I joined band and was in the whole marching band, was a drum major conducting for the, um, the shows and such. And actually, originally I was going to be a music major. I knew I wanted to get in teaching, but I, I was really thinking about being a band director and right around my first year of college, when I was kind of getting all orientations and stuff and the commitments that I was going to have to make for marching band in college and, and everything, I, I really wanted to start diving into get a job, really work through college. And, and, um, and so I knew I wanted to stay in teaching. So I went to the counselors there to ask them, you know, what kind of field would, you know, I need to go into, you know, where's, where's the need greatest? And at that time, fourth through eighth grade math and science was a huge um, grade area that they said, you know, it's got a mix of elementary as well as junior high to get into. And that's really a high need at this time. And a lot of people were tending to go with the EC through six. And so they said it can be a little bit harder for you to get a job in those fields. So I was kind of glad they were honest. And actually math and science have always been a huge interest of mine. 
So I went through uh, college at UTA in Arlington and interned in the, in the city that I um, currently teach in and I've been in the same area. Um, as soon as I graduated, the next day after my graduation, I actually had a uh, interview to be a seventh grade science teacher like you. And uh, I you know, didn't know being my first interview if that was gonna be it and it turned out to be. And I'm very grateful that I started out there. Um, I, I did there for about two years and it was at a campus title one that was 95% economically disadvantaged. So, I mean, the stories that I would hear from those kids and we'd have a few that would drop out and then they'd come back and, um, you know, those experiences really molded me to where I'm at now. Uh, but I knew deep down, even though I loved seventh grade life science and it was great, knew deep down I wanted to go into the elementary setting. So during my first year of teaching, I went ahead and got my EC through six um, license because I thought, well, what if I wanted to teach younger than fourth grade and, you know, had that opportunity. So I then after two years went on to third grade and I taught everything. So going from seventh grade science all the way down to third grade and having to teach reading, writing, science, social studies, all of those and math. I, it was, it was very intimidating because reading, I was very, very nervous about that. Um, but luckily I had a great team, not a, I mean, even at my seventh grade campus, we planned together. So that made my first year feel so successful. And when I went to third grade, my team was really great to, you know, talk about these are the strategies that we use to help the kiddos. So got me in there. And then I transferred over to another campus that I'm currently at. And the funny thing is my former English teacher was the principal there at the time. And I randomly saw him at a, you know, PD development thing and just was catching up. And he's like, hey, you know, we may be having some openings at our campus. And, and it's a really hard to get at the campus that I'm at. So yeah, I went for the interview and then, you know, I got hired on to do third grade. And so I did third grade for seven years, but uh, just this past year, last year was my very first year to transition. I loved third grade. The age was wonderful and everything, but I really wanted to get back into the science again. And so I spoke to my former principal and said, hey, you know, if there's ever an opening, I know that the teacher there, she's been there for a while and not many people retire at our campus. I mean, once you stay there, they're, they're there. It's, it's just wow. a great school. And uh, so, yeah, I was, she finally did retire. Um, and so my principal's like, Hey, you know, this area is open for you. And so now I just teach fifth grade science. I'm in my second year of it and truly, truly love it. It's, it's been a blast. It's amazing how interconnected like education is like, you kind of have to know people to, to really get where you want to go. And like, it's just, it's, it's a really small world when it comes down to it. It's kind of, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it truly is because that's even at my first campus, when I got the job there, um, one of my friends, when I met on the first day, went to high school with me and she's like, oh my gosh, you're a teacher here. It's just, it was just connection <laughs> after connection. And I, I, and I really do truly feel that connections are the key, you know, to, to where you want to go with, you know, your schools and, and such. So the more connections you make, the better off you are. So. Yeah. And it's like, you never know when those connections will kind of show themselves. So like you might start out somewhere and then, you know, oh, by six degrees of separation, you know, this person, and that's how you end up getting hired at, at that school. It's just, it's crazy. You know, my, I have two yeah, parents, absolutely. I have two parents that are in education and it's just like, 
I'll, I'll talk about this person that, you know, I work with or, oh, I student taught with X person. Oh, my dad, my dad knows that person. They went way back or my mom knows this person. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do, why? <laughs> it's just a small world, but that's, that's amazing. I, I want to go back real quick. You know, you had those elementary teachers that were so inspiring for you. Um, you know, what about them stood out to you as incredible teachers? And like, what are some of the things that, you know, you still take to your classroom that you kind of learn from them? Yeah, uh, just being very supportive, positive role model. Um, and, you know, my third grade teacher, he was a male teacher. And so having a male teacher in elementary was very, very rare. And it's still rare. And that's what I tell a lot of people. It's like, we need more male teachers. And even at my campus, it's myself and three other guys. One's our PE coach, one's SPED, and one's just um, kind of, he does our technology for the school. But we really need more male teachers and such. But yeah, they, they just kept me, you know, pushed me to go, you know, many places. And so they always told me, you know, you've got something great ahead for you. And no matter what path you're going to go, you know, you need to pursue it and such. So I, you know, I just, I, I just loved it. I was a little nosy with my teachers too. So sometimes, <laughs> I'd hear, you know, I'd hear them chit, chit chatter and I'm like, Ooh, okay, this is what's going on in the business. So I was very intuitive, you know, at a very young age, just listening in, but I was like, you know, I just liked how everybody worked. And I, I was very, I mean, all of my teachers, I mean, K through six, it was just incredible that how well they, they molded me. And yeah, I try to, you know, instill that now with my kids and such, because I know that I tell them all the time, you are our future generation and you are going to, you know, one day take care of me, you know? So um, that's what I just try to instill and just tell them, you know, you are capable of anything that you put your mind to. Absolutely. And you said you recently made the transition back to the fifth grade level because you really have a passion for science, which, I, you know, I'm super excited to dive into. Um, and specifically at the elementary level, you know, it's a really tough topic for our students. Um, and oftentimes, you know, sadly, and I, I'm sure you can speak more to this, but science gets deprioritized a little bit, especially at the elementary level. You know, they're so focused on math and literacy and, and um, you know, that type of thing. And that's understandable. But then science kind of is that extra little side sort of activity when really there is so much we can weave into science. Um, and it's totally undervalued, I think, at the elementary level. Um, but for you, in your fifth grade classroom, um, how do you make science so engaging and so accessible for your students? What does that look like for your classroom? Yeah, well, I mean, and like you said, I, I totally agree. Sometimes the lower levels, you know, they, there is such a big push for the reading and the, and the math and, and whatnot. And when I was in third grade, man, I definitely did make science a priority, you know, but the great thing is that our campus, well, at least here in Texas, fifth grade, uh, we are standardized test in fifth grade for science. Oh, wow. so that's, that's our first test for elementary kids to take a science test and it's in fifth grade. So we really do need that support from K all the way through fourth grade before they hit me because their test encompasses not only fifth grade topics, but third and fourth. But going back to your question with um, making engaging and fun, uh, when I got into fifth grade, man, the vocabulary, the vocabulary is so, so critical and the, the amount of words that you have. So I really take on different approaches. You know, I've done a bit of whole brain. I do whole brain teaching type things, especially with vocabularies. 
um, I'll make up chants, but also giving the students that ability to take a word and their definitions and creating little chants and hand motions. We do that a lot because that's the only way that I feel I was a very visual learner and then just getting that kinesthetic approach with those kids. They love it. And it's so funny because when I spiral things back again, I'm like, okay, what is closed circuit? And they're like, oh yeah, closed circuit, energy flows. You know, they just have the little chants and stuff. So I do a lot of that. Um, last, well, the summer before last, I went to a uh, Get Your Teach On conference. It's kind of a big deal. And I was actually helping out my friend with his teaching planners that he was selling there. He has a booth and um, he's like, hey, you can still have the opportunity to go see the sessions and such. So there was one that was specifically about how to put music into your classroom. So that definitely interested me because I played the piano since I was six years old and I still try to bring a musical side, even though I'm not a band director, but I try to put that. So there was a great session about, you know, taking popular tunes and uh, changing it over to your content. And so that just, I mean, it sparked a fire in me. And I, I knew going into fifth grade science, I wanted to kind of revamp some stuff and, and get to do what I kind of wanted, you know, have my own classroom. And, you know, I get to lesson plan on my own, which is, is different because I used to lesson plan with a team and we collaborate and that makes it a lot easier. So now that it's all, all me, it's a little bit more work, but I truly love it. So I'll take popular tunes and then I change it over to vocabulary concepts or whatever unit. So my goal has always been for every new unit, we knew, we learn a new song. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny because the kids now anticipated, they're like, Oh, we're starting a new unit. What's our next song? You know? So I'll take like, for instance, we were on our earth surface, um, unit this past uh, time and it was like over weathering erosion deposition so I took Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper shallow and changed it to the lyrics to fit those terms and it's just it's it's great and it's fun and so those are ways that I really do try to engage the kids somehow some way because we're you know in a totally different times this year. Um, so, you know, and I teach both, you know, in-person students and I also teach um, students that are virtual. Um, and so trying to make those connections and still keep what I originally had in my first year of fifth grade going, I, you know, I knew I needed to continue that. So I'm actually trying to brainstorm right now. We're getting ready to hit weather and water cycle. And so what I tell my kids is, is just give me some, some what are some popular tunes y'all love? And so I'll take um, artists and wise. And so sometimes I'll take one of their songs and change it around. They're like, oh my gosh, we're going to do that song and, but make it friend for, you know, science related content. So that's a big key of it. And we're also very fortunate too, at our campus, we have a STEM lab that they just actually built um, a couple wow. of years ago. So that's really assisting all of our elementary teachers, especially the K and one and two to get in there and get science building. So making science a priority is, um, definitely important. You know, we do need it. Right. Wow. That's so amazing. Like you are, you're engaging them and making arguably the most boring part of science, like the vocabulary, the jargon, all that stuff, probably like the most engaging part of the class aside from, you know, the experiments and hands-on activities, which I know you're doing as well, but that's incredible. And, and I, I wish, you know, for me, I've, I've been trying to implement more vocabulary practices. And sometimes I feel you know, we assume that even at the older ages, you know, even fifth grade, you know, they, oh, they've been around the block, they run the school, they're, they're too cool for songs and stuff like that. 
No, they're not. They love that stuff. And they truly do. Yeah. Right. And and I get encouraged by uh, mentor teachers and stuff at the middle school level. We should be doing those things too, because they actually love it. Yeah, they might be a little bit embarrassed or you know whatever hesitant at first, but they love that stuff. They seek that out. Um, and it's amazing teachers like you that make it harder on me because now the bar is so high when <laughs> in the middle school. So that's incredible. Yeah, no, and, 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 and I tell my kids, I'm like, I have no vocal voice whatsoever. <laughs> I'm not in the most in tune. And so, yeah, I mean, having them do it. And it's funny because, you know, there are some kids that may be a little shy or resistant and such, but then when they see the, you know, your other members in your class are really getting into it. Uh, they love it. And, and one thing I also change is, you know, typically we would get up on our, you know, out of our chairs and just stand, but I get, I tell them like, stand on top of your chair. And so they're, they're like standing on our chairs. And we're gonna, I was like, yes, we're going to do it. So if you go in with that enthusiasm and you put it out there, even though it may be goofy or silly, um, they're going to remember that. And that's the thing that I, I want with the, these kids. They need to remember moments. Are they going to remember everything that I taught them in fifth grade science? Absolutely not. But if I can make these special little moments occur for them, that's going to be memorable. Um, and it's funny because my last year students that are now in sixth grade, uh, one of the teachers was out at recess and the little girls were all singing one of my favorite, you know, tunes that we did last year just to send it to me. But that made me, my heart just so happy because I'm like, it really did it touched them and that they, you know, got to learn science, but in a fun way. Sounds like we need to make a special album, Mr. Sanchez's uh, Science Songs, something like there that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get some cover art going. I got a music <laughs> producer buddy. He could help you out. We'll make this, we'll make it go viral. That's awesome. There we go. <laughs> so kind of changing gears a little bit, you know, thinking about your career overall thus far, um, you know, you've had experiences at a variety of grade levels, um, a variety of settings, so what are some hacks or tips or, or suggestions that have made your life as a teacher so much easier, whether it's been, uh, you know, planning or it's been a teaching strategy or, you know, take it however you want. Absolutely. Well, especially if you're, if you're new into teaching and everything, finding that collaborative partner um, to plan with you, because I mean, when you're fresh in there, you've got so many different ideas that you may want to utilize from college and such. Um, but having another voice and kind of, you know, collaboration is the key. And so that's what I really had, especially in my seventh grade and third grade years. It's like we were a running machine. We would all sit in, we plan one day, you know, math and then one day reading. And we say, okay, these are the activities. What are we going to do to, you know, enrich these kids? What about our lower performers? What are we going to do to help them out? And so collaboration is key. Now, is everybody gonna agree to everything that you are set to do? And not exactly, but if you take what you can at least get through that collaboration and then take it in your own room and you know spice it up a little bit, um, that's a good thing. So collaboration is definitely something that has been a, a big thing of mine. Um, Organizing a to-do list, I guess, you know, that's my biggest hack is just, I, I live on to-do list and I, especially this year, it feels almost like it's another first year for me again, just because of managing both platforms and such. So 
I've really tried to allocate time, you know, where I'm like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm just devoting to my grades. This time to this time, I'm going to really communicate to my parents. So um, setting those up, I think will make it a little bit, you know, more successful for you. And that way you're not piled down um, with too many things along the way. So that's been helpful. Um, and then just making, you know, classroom management and such, that's, a, that's such a, you know, key element into any classroom. But as I've learned through the years, I've just really tried to, you know, our, our campus is a PBIS campus. So really focusing on those positive behaviors and, and not narrowing in so much on the negative things, you know, as much and, um, you know, having rewards for students as well. I, I try to make it a simple, I mean, I've do this thing called Jolly Rancher Wars. And it's just basically we, I tally points just for positive actions that I'm seeing in the team that gets the most, they get a Jolly Rancher on Monday. And it's crazy that what the kids will do just for a little Jolly Rancher. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I've just learned to go a little bit more simple as the years go by and don't grade everything. <laughs> my very first year or two, I felt like I needed to grade everything because I was just so worried. Are they really truly getting it? Are they understanding it? And there are some things you just gotta let it go. And um, and so now I just really prioritize what do I really need to see what my kids understand and do, but don't feel boggled down that you need to check every single little thing um, because that that that's so time consuming and there are, you know, a lot more important things that you can be doing, building those relationships with your kids and building that culture in your classroom that are pivotal for everything. I feel like you've read my mind uh, with all the things that I am trying to focus on right now. I'm so, I'm trying to focus on not grading everything. I'm trying to focus on uh, like organizing time for myself that is just dedicated to, you know, assessments or dedicated to calling parents like, you read my mind. That's incredible <laughs> uh, because it's so true, especially like you yeah. said, when we're teaching, because I'm the same way, we're, we're a PBIS school and we're, I'm teaching hybrid as well. So I'm teaching the in-person kids and the virtual kids at the same time. And oh my goodness, your, your mind just goes a thousand different directions all at once. And then you get this, I'm sure you've felt this before in your career, like this, just a sense of paralysis. You've got so many things on a to-do list, you don't even know where to start. So you just stop. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so hard to figure out what to do next. So like you said, making a priority of, okay, from, from, you know, two to three or from three to four, I'm only focusing on one thing. And that makes it much more simpler to process. Um, and you feel like you, you made so much more product, like productive, uh, a productive use of your time versus, oh, I'm going to start this one task and then maybe get partially, partially through it. Oh, I almost forgot to call this parents. Oh, I got to fill out this point sheet and which we just get bogged down by all of that. So simplifying it for ourselves. I, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, in your career now, you said you've been teaching for 11 years now. This is my 11th year. Yeah. Dang, 11 years. So and, you, and I know that you are so motivated and so passionate about what you do and it's just oozing out of you, but what are some ways that help you stay created and creative and motivated? Um, I mean, cause 11 years into your career, you know, you've got all these different ideas, you've got things that, you know, work well, but like you're trying to try all these new things, like you're making songs, you're doing all these cool things. So what, what keeps you creative and motivated? I think it's just the fact that I wanted to get into a career that I knew was always evolving, always changing. 
and you know every year brings a new batch of kids and every new is gonna, every year is going to bring a new you know set of challenges and and so i think that's what kind of keeps me going to you know try out new things i'll i'll try something out one year and then i'll tweak it a little bit here and i always remember in my college years you know how they just really instill like you know education is constantly changing you need to, it's a continual learning process so I really just try to dive into a lot of PDs as much as possible because I want to definitely know what's being told now to, you know, younger generations that are going to be coming through and how this education system is going to work. And, and now with us going virtual and everything, I think this was, you know, I know it's, it's, it's a tragic thing that we are going through with COVID-19 and such, but at the same time, it's made us very much uh, technology gurus and, there are so many different things that I never knew with the technology world that, you know, has um, given me a lot more confidence. Um, I know, for instance, when we switched over to Canvas, I had been using Google Classroom for quite some time with my kids and they knew it. They knew it. And so when they told us Canvas, I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I just really dreaded it. And as I got into it and learned all the aspects of it, I loved it. And so this summer, I really took a... Uh, uh, the time to actually help other educators out with Canvas and everything, because I knew there was a lot of stress going on. I had joined some Canvas Facebook groups and you could just tell that there were so many teachers out there like, how do I start? Where do I begin? How do I make this user-friendly for, you know, especially in the elementary setting, because this is a platform that they use in college. And so I, I saw that need and I started making little tips and tricks for teachers, just little things to help them out. And, you know, it's just, it's refreshing to hear so many people, you know, either message me or even at my own uh, campus tell me, hey, this is working great. Thank you so much for your tip and stuff. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just what kind of keeps me motivated. I just, I've, I'm always yearning to learn more and, and, and getting new ideas. And, and thankfully, there's so many great PDs out there, and especially now in the Instagram world with Teachergram. I mean, I feel like I get a PD session anytime I just scroll oh around. Gosh, yeah, so many great ideas. So that's what keeps me going. Wow, that is you are like <laughs> when you, as you're talking, I'm like you are like my mentor teacher right now. Like Kathy Meidel at my school is that person. You know, we use Schoology. Um, and for me, I I'm just like I want to make it as easy as possible. I want as few problems to deal with this learning management system. I just want it to work. And Kathy is just all thought through all of the different things that anyone might need to know. And she just makes my life so much easier. So Kathy, if you're listening, this is a little shout out to you. Um, but seriously, like I want to honor your mindset right now because so many teachers, uh, especially during this time of COVID, like it's really, really hard to change right? It's really, really hard to um, change up your practices, especially the longer you've been in education, it just becomes a little bit more difficult to, to be willing to do that. And so, you know, for you, how do you feel so comfortable with just being willing to change or trying something new? Because that's not something that's easy for a lot of people. Right. Well, I think, it, you know, it goes back down to the kids, you know, the kids are going to be learning different ways. And so we've got to also, you know, have that positive vibe, um, to give them as well when we're going through those changes as well because if we kind of set ourselves to say oh we're not going to do this and you know then that's kind of showing 
I don't know, a reflection to the kids as well. So um, I just, I, I don't know, it just, I've always been such a growth mindset person. I, 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 and that's what I also instilled to my kids, just constantly having that growth mindset. And so you just have to kind of go with the flow and go with the bang of it. And, you know, I'm very fortunate, especially at my campus, one thing that, you know, we, we kind of have like a, a word of our year and our word is one. And so at our campus, um, my principal had reached out to me because we were trying to think of ways to make Canvas as user-friendly for our third through sixth grade students. And so we all came as one with designing how our Canvas courses were going to look with whatever subject you taught. So that way there was uniformity along the way. So even though I teach science and my co-teacher teaches, you know, reading and math across the hall from me, we all have the same layout and design to make it easier. So that, you know, when you can get a campus all together and unified with some sort of way to make things easier, it's going to make the parents happier and as well as the kids happier too. So I think that's just, I don't know, that's just where I've been going with it. I just try to keep the open mind and, and continually grow. Well, that's just a, uh... A kudos to you because that's something really, really hard to do for a lot of teachers. And so I commend you on that growth mindset because that's something that I, I feel like I do pretty well at so far. Um, but, you know, I think of like 30 years down the road, can I still have this growth mindset? And so I, I have to find ways to constantly remind myself and practice growth mindset every day. So that's incredible. Um, <laughs> thinking about all this change and, you know, teachers having to change their practice a little bit, having to, um, really just, I don't know, work through this whole COVID deal. Um, it's kind of highlighted some of the things that maybe teachers should do, like things that we should be doing. Like it's highlighted some of the really good things that teachers do each day. Um, it's also maybe brought out some of the things that, hey, teachers, we don't really have to do this. Like you shouldn't have to really worry about that anymore or prioritize it anymore. Um, so this is sort of a broad question. And I know I kind of let you know early on uh, <laughs> as I wrote this one down, I was like, Ooh, this might be, this might hit some uh, hot button issues, but here it is. What do you wish all teachers would do more of and, or what do you wish teachers would do less of take that yeah. however you want? Absolutely. Well, you know, in this day and age of standardized testing and such, I know there's a lot <laughs> of different opinions about it. But especially in these times that we're in, when we may not have all of our students with us in person and such, and they're learning virtually, really doing more of finding the things that you know that are going to be more impactful in their, in their learning for future years ahead. So, you know, even though I may think that this particular standard is pretty important for my kiddos, I'm going to really narrow in and find those critical points that I know that they need you know, to continue their pathway. Um, and less of just the, I guess, do less more of stress of not having to worry about, um, I know that testing is always going to be some sort of, you know, thing that lingers on our head, but, you know, it, as easy as it may sound, but just trying to find less things of feeling like you're constantly maybe teaching to a test or standardized, just, you know, I don't know that it's, it's a very, it's difficult, you know, when you're, when you're guided by, you know, state guidelines and, and such with all this testing that can happen with our kids. So um, I think just less of not feeling, you know, concerned or worried, you know, and, and give yourself more self-care for yourself. I, you know, that's, 
that's what I've kind of taken this year, even though I know I still have the tests coming up in the spring. Um, and not that I'm not taking things important on there, but I'm really just trying to prioritize the things that I know that my kids need, you know, now and what they're going to need for their future. And whether that be taking a break and doing some sort of social emotional learning aspect, and that's because of what they need and that's going to help them and guide them along their, their journey in life. And, and that's what we're going to do. So, um, I think more focus on, you know, these relationships, communication with our kiddos, the culture of our kiddos, and, um, you know, still get some content, but not feel so heavy and burdened if you can't get everything down. Yeah, because that's going to be impossible. We just can't do it. We don't have the time right now to go a mile wide. We have to figure out, like you said, find what is critical and go, go a mile deep there, right? Really equip your kids with the tools that they need, the, with the standards that you believe are the most important and focus your time and energy there. Um, and kind of, as you were saying that I was thinking, you know, not worrying about like worry less about things that are out of your control. Right. I think a lot of teachers, and maybe you could speak to this too, and for your campus, but a lot of teachers are just constantly looking at Twitter, looking at the positivity rates of the district, looking at COVID updates, all these things, but it's all out of our control, right? To a certain degree, it's out of our control, but that's what we let sort of dictate our mindset and dictate our emotional energy. Um, and that, that makes us less capable or less uh, equipped to really um, be there for our kids and be there for ourselves too. Like we, we're, we're not taking care of ourselves the way we should be right now um, in large part because we're letting those things we don't control dominate our like what's taking up our energy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No. I mean, even this year, um, I've had to work a lot of times on, you know, one day of my weekend and which was not typical of me because I really like to try to keep my work and, and, and personal life balanced out, you know, and it's been hard. It's been really hard. Um, especially this year, I feel like I've had to devote that, but starting this, you know, new year, you know, 2021, I, um, I've really made it a goal this, this semester, just to say, you know what, you, you need to have your weekends back somehow, some way, because, you know, I know that there's a ton of things behind my, you know, my, my lessons that I need to get out there and I need to develop and, and such, but I'm really trying to utilize my time at work now more so and hit those critical things. And is every lesson going to be engaging and fun every day? It may not be. Um, but as long as I know that I'm making that presence with my kids and, and such, and that I'm, you know, there to nurture them and care for them as they, you know, are going through their learning journey. That's, that's what's most key. And we need to take that time. And it's, it, it's hard. It's definitely hard. I know some people it's, it's just ingrained in them. I got to work. I got to get this, these grades done, but we do need to have that balance of ourselves, or it's, it will wear us thin. And, and you don't want that. You don't want to have that discouragement where we would, you know, lose any of our teachers and such, because there's so many great ones out there. Right. Absolutely. The balance is so important. And that's something that I, I need to improve on. So I'm glad that you're bringing it up as just a soft, subtle reminder that, Hey, Hunter, you can turn, turn off the teacher brain, you know, on, on Friday, you know, like once it's, once it's three 30, it's, it's okay. You don't need a lesson plan right then and there, buddy. Um, yep. So I appreciate that. Um, thinking about this year and, and your students that you had thus far, um, 
you know, and I'm interested to hear your answer too, because this year is so different. We often learn lessons from our students um, just in normal years. We always are constantly learning from our students each and every day, but even this year, it's gotta be even more interesting. So I'm interested to hear, you know, what's an impactful lesson that you've learned from your fifth grade students this year? Yeah, I, I, you're, you, you nailed it. There's, you know, that was one of my biggest fears is how am I going to connect with my virtual kids as, you know, much as with my kids that are in person. So allowing them to have a voice, having a voice in my class, that's, that's the biggest key because I want to know their feedback. I, I you know, I, I tell my kids in person, sometimes it may be feedback I don't want to hear, you know, but it's, it's good and it's a learning curve for myself, but giving them the voice to say, hey, I really like when you do these type of things. I want you to continue these type of things. And I do the same thing with my virtual kids. And so, you know, that's that's the biggest lesson that I've learned through is just letting them have a voice, letting them have a say because they're gonna have a say and a voice one day in their future as well. So it's building them as citizens and such. And um, that's my biggest lesson. And so it's, it's actually helped me because some of the things that I thought were completely boring, you know, to start off, you know, we do a little spiral review, kind of just test taking strategies in a sense, but I thought it was boring, but they actually were like, I love doing those spiral reviews, you know, to start off the day. And I think it's just the consistency that they see me kind of do the same type of format. Um, One thing, even though I don't teach reading anymore, I loved being able to read to my kids all the time. And so I always do a read aloud. So we're in a science fiction, you know, book right now. So I try to also connect literature and such. And one of my, you know, a lot of my kids were like, I really want you to do the read aloud still keep that going, you know, or we want you to do the escape room still. So I really like to get their input because then that drives me to know what, Hey, this is what I really want to do with them as well. So that's my biggest lesson, letting them have their voice, letting them voice their opinion of what they think is going well and not going well. And then that helps me adjust because sometimes I'm really shocked. I'm like, you know what? I, I definitely agree. This is something that I think we can change it up a bit. So growth mindset again, going there. You know? Yeah, I was going to say like connecting back to what you said earlier, you're just, you're willing to adapt to what your kids need. And, and you're not, you don't get upset or frustrated when you have that sort of look in the mirror moment of, oh man, my kids are asking for something completely different than what I was giving them. Oh boy. All right. Well, you can, and you're kind of at a crossroads. I can choose to change or I can choose not to change. And because you've chosen to adapt and give them what they need, now that builds that trust and confidence, um, you know, with your students, they believe that you're going to listen to them. And that is so powerful. And once they know that, you know, that trust level is going to help them do those quote unquote, boring activities or the things that you're trying to grind through a little bit more because they've seen you uh, listen to them and really take their advice. And that's powerful. Absolutely. That's what I always tell people. I said, culture comes first and then your content will just ease in through. If you don't have that culture where you can have these kids have, you know, they're, it's, you know, even though it's the classroom that I'm in, it's my classroom, it's our classroom all together, essentially. And so giving them that voice, you know, that's going to build that culture there and that's, that's my biggest key. When I, and I've seen that through the years. When I didn't start out building that community, and I've learned that through experience, um, I've had better classroom management. I've had better you know, performance-wise on their content um, because I took that time. Even though you may think, I got all these jillion things of content I need to get out there. 
got to build that culture first and then essentially the content will come. That's what I always tell people all the time, culture and content. Gosh, I love that. I can't even add on to that. That's perfect. Um, Evan, how can people connect with you and support your journey as an educator? Yeah. Um, well, I actually just started an Instagram about a year and a half ago. I, you know, I, I kind of was refusing to ever get into that, you know, aspect. <laughs> but when I went to get your teach on, I had a lot of people there. They're like, you really should start a, you know, teachergram and, you know, start uh, going with that. So yeah, I'm on there at science with Mr. Sanchez and you know, I try to show my science things, but I, I'm also trying to make it a goal too to share some things that can also be applicable to any other subject that is out there too. And I'll I'll plug in your social media handles in the show notes too. Um, you're a, an amazing person to follow. You're always showing off like the little. And, and what I love about what you post is that you're not necessarily like you you will post things about lessons that are so like minor tweaks. Like you just make this little tweak and then it's boom, engaging, right? Or this is how you can make this hands-on. Or like you said, with all the music stuff you're doing, like some of these things aren't revolutionary ideas, but they are, they completely change your classroom culture and, and engagement levels, which is what I love and appreciate because that's something I really want to work on is, you know, taking a piece of content and then what is one little tweak that I can make to it to really make it more engaging or, or make it more exciting for kids. And, and that's what I love about following you. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when you're bringing a good point there, um, especially because this year with, you know, everything with sanitizing and such with labs, that's been a lot more difficult. So mm-hmm. I've had to do a lot more, you know, uh, demos, which I don't like having to do demos all the time, but for safety precautions, and then also just for supply purposes for kids at home, I sometimes have to model it, but I'll take a resource that I have and like you said, tweak it up. So like, for instance, I have all these different Halloween costumes here. So I made videos of myself like with Waldo and just being (laughs) goofy, just being goofy and making the videos. So that way a demo is a little bit more engaging. And some kids were like, why were you in Waldo? It's like to make it fun, you know? So um, have a giraffe head or, you know, whatever it may be, but taking just something simple that you may have that, you you know, you're thinking, oh gosh, I have to do a demo. But if you make it fun and, you know, and just excitement, you know, going on for there, the kids are going to love it. And so um, those are just little tweaks, you know, but they make a big difference. Yeah. It's like the sticker thing that's gone viral. Like every time a student participates, put a sticker on your face. It's like, hey, I put on a Waldo costume. You watched the video, didn't you? (laughs) So like at the end of the day, that's what we care about. So that's awesome. All right, Evan, final question. I ask this to every single guest. So I'm really excited to hear your answer. All right. So say there's a complete revision of schools across the world, and we decide to build a brand new education system from scratch. As they interview educators from across the world to shape this new school system, uh, they select you, Mr. Sanchez, um, to help give advice uh, for what this new school system should look like. The deal is, though, they only allow three statements. So what would those three statements be that you're telling them? Hunter, this is a great question. This is awesome. And I I think it's actually a great question for anybody that's going for an interview, you know, if they're going to a new campus and such. Um, So it it took me a while to think of these, (laughs) for sure. Um, So the first one that I would give as a statement is you need to build an authentic culture from the top down. You're building a, a school, new school system from scratch building the structure is the first part. And 
uh, admin is usually your your next you know point of contact that gets to be a part of that school and then from the admin you need to build your teachers first from there and then eventually if you build your teachers in that positive direction and it's authentic and it's really you know you know it's valuable and it's going to work then your kids are going to come next and 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 it'll just all flow in a train. So building an authentic culture from top down. That's my, that's my first thing that I would say. Second thing, allocating funds to things that teachers need. Um, that's, that's the next thing. It's amazing to see the millions and millions of dollars that go to these standardized testing and, and how much money is invested there when we could be promoting for, you know, better salaries, um, you know, finding other different lesson resources, um, even finding, you know, getting um, money allocated to better independent resources. Sometimes we may be kind of geared to just having to use what the district gives us, but sometimes just finding those independent things out there are pretty amazing and, and can make a huge impact. So allocating the funds would be my second thing. And then finally, my third one that I thought about is, you know, we're School systems are so much about, you know, getting our kids ready for college and career readiness and such. And, and that's, that is critical. It is definitely critical for our kiddos. Um, but also just life skills, you know, we need to incorporate that. Um, things such as simple as, you know, how to change a tire, um, how to balance a budget, you know, and, and things that I wish I may have had earlier in, in you know, my life. Um, and I think it'll make us more successful individuals. So not only having the, the content out there to get us, you know, college and career ready, but also just important life skills and that, you know, kind of been developed within there too. So those are my three things. <laughs> Evan Sanchez, future education secretary. Let's go. <laughs> That's amazing, Evan. I truly appreciate that. That's powerful. That's powerful. Thank you for listening to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. Original music by Patrick Cunningham. Links to connect with us are in the show notes. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because it really helps us out. Always bring your best, and we'll see you next time on Schools of Thought.